Welcome to Tiger Paw Radio, the podcast that tackles all the challenges and opportunities of channel convergence. If you provide managed IT, managed print, VoIP, security, or other technology-driven services for your customers, this podcast is for you. Tiger Paw Radio, exploring channel convergence, one stripe at a time. Well, hi, everybody. Wes McDonald here. I want to thank you for joining us for another episode of TigerTube, if you're watching on video. And if you can't see any of us, that means you're listening to us on Tiger Paw Radio. So thanks for listening in. I'm really excited about the interview that we have today. Um, it's taken me a while to get this one organized, but it was important to me um, because obviously in our channel, there are two distributors uh, which dominate our channel. And you'll recognize their faces on the screen right now. And if you don't, then you're probably not in our channel. So first of all, I'd like to thank you both for taking the time to interview today. Uh, Jim Sirkliski and Greg Welchens, thanks very much for being on the show today. Awesome to be Happy here. To be here. Yep. All right. One of the, uh, the the things we'll be talking about today, as I said uh, in the title, it's a working title, so I apologize for people watching if it turns out different, but Marks on Paper, top distributors talk about the future of office printing and what dealers need to do to thrive. And so combined, obviously, Clover Imaging and DM Supplies Network provide more dealers and customers with print-related supplies than pretty much all other distributors combined. They know a thing or two about uh, surviving a pandemic and growing, but more importantly, uh, they're going to help us today understand how dealers can grow in a post-pandemic world, which we're moving into. So, uh, Jim, maybe I'll get you to introduce yourself or audience first. Sure, Jim Sirkleski. I'm an executive chairman of Clover Imaging Group. Happy to be here. Excited to uh, go through this uh, process. And uh, I'm really excited that Mr. Greg Welchens is here with us. <laughs> and uh, with that, Greg, maybe you can introduce yourself. So Greg Welchens, I'm uh, president and CMO of uh, Supplies Network, and I just celebrated my 20th year here. Congratulations. Wow. That's phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. And uh, for those that don't know me, I'm Wes McDonald. I'm the chief noisemaker at uh, Tiger Paw, as well as doing my own things at westmcdonald.co. And I am the host for today's episode. So thank you very much. Uh, the first question I'm going to get into um, the pandemic, right? I know we're all sick of talking about it, but it seems, uh, Jim, as we were talking about uh, before we actually started recording, you know, kind of, you know, seeing what's going on both in your side of the border and mine, uh, that we're, you know, still kind of in this thing and moving through it. Um, so as a distributor, what was hard uh, for you through the pandemic? Yeah, I think, you know, well, <laughs> a lot of things were hard. Um, if, you, if you really looked at all the challenges that Clover had to go through, um, it was it was protecting our people. Um, you know, we we received essential status both in Mexicali, Mexico, and in our distribution centers, and it was imperative that our team really uh, worked together to keep our employees safe. Uh, you know, the the customer service teams and uh, you know accounting and anybody in the office had the luxury of working from home, but the essential workers, manufacturing and distribution had to come to the office mm. and, or come to, the, come to their workplace. Uh, when it comes to the manufacturing side, just little things like how we got people to, to our facilities. In Mexicali, we have our own bus service. Imagine you know people together on a bus. We had to change that whole process. We had to get more buses. We had to um, actually social distance in between each particular uh, seat and put up Plexiglass. Wow. In manufacturing, we had to readjust the entire manufacturing facility 
so that people were 10 to 15 feet apart. Well, in manufacturing, you just can't do that on an assembly line. And so it took us two weeks. We shut down the entire factory for two weeks to actually gain this essential status where the government had to come in and approve us. And so, you know, on a million square feet, you can imagine what you have to do to change the entire process. And in, in the distribution facilities, same thing. Social distancing was imperative, people wearing masks, but yet also keeping 10 to 15 feet apart when you're trying to, you know, be efficient and productive getting products out the door because we're still, we're still shipping product. So it was a challenge for sure. But I would say just keeping people safe was, you know, our top priority and, and it was, it was challenging. Well, I, I love how you say that, that, uh, you know, it is people first and, you know, certainly working with uh, any of the people at your organization, I've always found them to be the same. And yeah, I've seen, um, you know, some toner uh, remanufacturing facilities and it's not like a, like a car assembly line where, you know, things are, you know, spread out for miles that people are working quite closely together. So what a challenge. And, and Greg, what about yourself? So at, you know, at DM, what kind of things did you run into that were challenging? Well, like Jim and Clover, we were deemed essential also. And, uh, and, and so we stayed open. Um, like Clover, the people in our offices uh, were able to go home and, and uh, work remote. Uh, the people in the warehouses had to come in and uh, it was really difficult. And, um, you know, when, when, a, when an outbreak would happen, we'd have to shut down a facility for a couple of days. Uh, customer orders would get delayed. Uh, you know, it was just a very difficult time to go through uh, from a people standpoint. And, and obviously, like Jim said, keeping them protected. You know, from a personal standpoint, the really hard thing for me is we're a very social company and we've got this culture that's just been awesome. Right. I mean, we love to work with each other. We love to, to, uh, uh, we play hard, we work hard together. And, uh, you know, for a year and a half now, it's been myself and Sean in the office and just wow. a couple others. And I miss that social interaction. Uh, and I think actually that culture that we created prior to the pandemic allowed us to stay successful through the pandemic because we knew each other, we trusted each other. And, um, um, you know, it just really helped us through the whole things. So I, I really miss, I mean, 90% of our people in the office are, are remote now. And I really wow. miss seeing those people because that's just how I was raised in business that we have us, we we're social with each other. Right. So that was really hard for me personally. Right. Hey, yes. Yeah, you know, I just have to interject because the, the, the challenge that I faced is that Greg was able to golf a lot more because of that. <laughs> and unfortunately I was the recipient of a lot of beatdowns on the golf course during <laughs> the pandemic. And so, yeah, it was, that was painful as well. So you're he's, hoping he gets everyone back in the office. <laughs> yeah, he's just yeah, trying to protect sure himself right now. He's being proactive <laughs> on the conversation because he doesn't want me to bring up, bring up things. So right. I admit to I feet, Greg, I'm not going to, I'm not going to argue. You, you took a lot of money from me. Okay. Yep. <laughs> well, you take a lot more from me if I played, but uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, what's funny, Greg, one of the things that I remember when you were talking about uh, the culture that you have there, uh, one of my favorite memories um, ever uh, working in the industry was coming down to visit your facilities 
and getting to hang out with uh, Barney Kister and Sarah Custer. And we actually put together a Brussels sprout cook-off. Uh, John McInnes was down from uh, Print On It at that time. I remember and, that, yeah. Yeah, it was just amazing, right? That, you know, that ability of, of uh, your people to actually not just have us at the office, but, you know, where we did something fun together, you know, socially, right? So definitely. And had some fantastic Brussels sprouts, right? We did. <laughs> it's hard to make Brussels sprouts fantastic, and you guys did it. So. We did. We had them four different ways, right? So, <laughs> yeah, if you ever want to try something, Jim, have a Brussels sprout cook-off. People think you're crazy, but you'll be shocked and amazed at the number of recipes that you can actually come up with. <laughs> I'll, hey. I'll, have, I'll have to try that. It sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are wild. <laughs> wild and crazy, the Brussels the Brussels. <laughs> Hey, uh, you know, we talked about what was a little bit difficult and I love the, uh, you know, the golf uh, introduction because it does actually bring us into a bit of a lighter space. And I want to ask you now too, what was maybe easier than, you know, you expected or, or even became an opportunity because of the pandemic? Sure. Uh, for, for us, and I, I, I really shouldn't say it was easy because the heavy lifting was, you know, our IT department, but um, I think just getting people uh, set up to work from home, I was shocked at how good our teams uh, were able to, to pull that off. And, you know, we're not a small operation, right? We've got a lot of, lot of employees. And so to get everybody to, you know, not come to the office, work from home and not miss a beat from systems to answering calls into a loop to making sure that the customers are, you know, receiving the same type of service levels that they were accustomed to, because again, you know, a lot of people buy from Clover because of our service levels. Um, and I just think that that process of what happened just blew my mind. I'm a, I'm a guy that's, you know, in the office early and I am the guy always watching the clock to see who's coming in at what time. <laughs> and that's, that's really changed for me. Um, you know, I've realized that that philosophy is nuts and having people work from home, they can be productive. I, I'm not, you know, I don't want to be foolish. I, I realize that the cooler talk is not there. So communication is not as good, but the reality is, is that if you set it up properly and this forced us to do it, right, we had to do it. Um, it's been the best thing that ever happened to Clover, that's for sure. I mean, we were able to reduce locations. Um, you know, we are just as productive as we ever were. And uh, it's affected the bottom line in a positive, you know, manner for sure. Is that funny? I, you know, and I, I love what you say that, you know, even you were transformed by that experience, right? That used to, you know, be very much on the clock and who's here when and how you've seen uh, that forced into this, that the pandemic has proven they can still have that productivity, right? What a, what a great experience. Yeah, I've been, uh, as you both know, I've been working remotely for quite a number of years now. And um, it's been very difficult uh, for me sometimes because people haven't always had that experience of understanding what it's like to work remotely. And now, uh, fortunately or unfortunately, everyone is having the same experience, right? So yeah, I really need to hear. And, and Greg, what about you guys at DM? You know, what kind of things that surprised you that were maybe easier or, or some opportunities that actually arose for you? Sure. Uh, like, like uh, Clover, you know, we had been, we actually had been preparing uh, and have prepared for quite some time, uh, you know, the ability to work remote. And it goes back to 
1993 when when there was a the great flood of the Midwest uh, and our building was under 10 foot of water, you know, wow. and and uh, and so Tom Fleming, you know, back in 2001 moved us to uh, the high side of the river, the, the bluff side. And uh, so we would never flood again, but we, you know, we wanted to prepare for some sort of disaster, you know, uh, a tornado, worldwide pandemic, you know, those kind of things. <laughs> and uh, and so it was very seamless for us to to work to get into a, a remote mode because our IT department had prepared for it. Now, from an opportunity standpoint, um, and I think Jim would attest to this in his business, it opened up doors. Um, we have another business that's in fulfillment. We had products that had disinfectants in it. Um, and, um, uh, and then other products that were essential and, and were things that people would shop for in grocery stores that didn't want to go to the grocery store anymore. So wow. they started ordering online and our fulfillment side of the business saw a huge spike in, 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 in opportunity in business. And um, and so that really uh, allowed us to accelerate the growth of that business, um, which probably would have taken a couple years longer to do, you know. And I think Jim, you know, expanded in his business the same kind of stuff. Yeah, that's that's amazing, you know. And uh, I personally, uh, I'm not sure if they have the same service in the states. It's called Voila. It's a grocery uh, delivery service that my wife and I have been using now for, I don't know, probably the last six months for you know most of our kind of essential groceries and boy did that come in handy when you know restrictions were really tight right that we could still kind of get those things without having to go places yeah. so really neat to see that uh these different opportunities right and i, and I got to think and maybe we'll get to it in in one of the next questions but potentially how you know those opportunities can be available to you know to dealers as well right sure um let, let's start talking about the actual channel right and We've obviously seen quite a few changes. Uh, you've both been in the channel for a long time. Uh, I uh, have been uh, in, I think myself now for uh, 16 or 17 years um, and things have definitely changed, right? So what kind of key elements do you think have changed? And then maybe thinking on that too, if you wanna add what's remained the same and what's going to remain the same. And Jim, maybe I'll get you to start there. Sure, I know that A3, was declining at probably a greater rate than A4 pre-pandemic, but this has really accelerated the change. Um, and, you know, as an example, certainly our business is down from the pandemic. We all are. There's less right. print going on. But when you look at our inkjet business, pre-pandemic, we were actually thinking about exiting the inkjet business. Wow. Our, our operations are in Michigan um, and you know U.S. based, it's a little bit more costly to produce products in Michigan over over Mexico. The pandemic hits and bam! I mean, it was unbelievable. It was like somebody just took a light switch, flipped it on, and we were getting so much volume of orders for inkjet manufacturing because again, people were switching over, going to home and buying inkjet printers just to stay printing. Uh, you know, we, we were hopeful that it would be more laser, you know, uh, which is our bread and butter, but it ended up being inkjet. And I just think that you're going to see, we haven't seen that turn off yet. And that was back, you know, call it February of last year, right? It hasn't stopped. And I don't think it's stopping from an inkjet perspective. So I think you're going to see a ton of inkjet, you know, sales continue. 
a lot of A4 is going to come into play because as people realize what it costs to run an inkjet printer at home, they're going to wake up and say, okay, this is too expensive. They're not going to go upgrade to another inkjet printer. They're going to buy a multifunctional A4 printer. So it's just going to continue to snowball. And I just think that that's going to be the biggest, biggest change in this marketplace for the dealer channel is that they better pay attention to A4 um, because it's, 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 it's here, you know, in a big way. Yeah. It's interesting what you say as well about this idea of inkjet possibly uh, being a launch pad for some additional, you know, sort of traditional, uh, you know, toner uh, A4 devices. Right. And that, you know, there's been this great experiment where people were scrambling to get devices and probably the easiest things for them, you know, were inkjets. Maybe that's, you know, why, right? And as it starts to, in uh, certain locations, become more permanent, people say, well, I definitely need something that's going to work a little better for me, right? right. And, and Greg, what about yourself? Um, what have you seen change? Is it the same thing? Are you seeing other things? What's, uh, what's changed in our channel? Yeah, so uh, I would agree with Jim on uh, the ink. It's... Uh, it, it wasn't, um, ink is not the primary part of our business. You know, Supplies Network has always been kind of a toner house and and uh, and a business-to-business -business type of uh, uh, business that we're in. Uh, ink did spike, um, you know, uh, as I think probably Jim experienced uh, the supply chain for ink uh, for anything in this channel. Hardware, uh, A4 especially, uh, uh, has come to a grinding halt so mm -hmm. har hard to get the products um and uh but i do agree that ink is is the future of of uh, a, a lot of our businesses in that segment in in the a4 kind of printing space for us um it kind of the opposite happened uh the a3 space kind of opened up for us huh. uh and and you know we had uh we had been in the a3 space with hewlett-packard we're we're one of the two uh you know, suppliers of HPA3 and, uh, but other A3 manufacturers allowed us to play more in the A3 uh, consumables um, distribution space because uh, uh, th they're wanting to take the burden of the capital expense off the dealer, which they've, you know, traditionally put on the dealer to stock supplies onto us and let the dealers order just in time and then also let the dealers utilize the um, the MPS tools that we've built um, to manage their A3 devices along with those A4 devices. So it's actually opened up some opportunity opposite a gym into the A3 space that we didn't see before. Yeah, it's interesting though. And I mean, DM Supplies Network, obviously uh, you guys have done a great job with, you know, what you do for uh, being able to distribute products of all kinds. And it is interesting um, that this, this pandemic has it accelerated more of that dropship culture versus people having things on location, right? Is that is that fair assessment? I think it absolutely is, and and it's it goes back to, you know, the the burden of the capital expense is taken off the dealer if they utilize that model. They may have to pay a little bit more for the product because you know we're owning the product, we're picking, we're packing, we're shipping. Uh, but I think the 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 capital burden that it relieves of them uh, is of greater value than than that expense of holding the inventory in stock. Yeah, I, I think the pandemic has changed a lot of people's mind on you know things that are capital intensive, right? And 
I know that uh, in my other uh, life, I do uh, flat rate consulting and I've got a customer in British Columbia in Canada and they had actually sold off a whole bunch of their uh, locations because of the pandemic. So we don't need the space. They got rid of that capital element and have started leaning more on uh, distribution, just as you're talking about, right? More of the, the just-in-time stuff. So are we going to see more of that with, with dealers? Are they going to be less, um, you know, I guess, owning all the pieces and more about uh, relying on distribution to help them with that? Exactly. We're definitely too, Greg. Um, we've got a lot of dealers that have asked us to take on you know, products for them and, and, and distribute them. So it's happening, I think, across the board. Yeah. And sorry, Greg, that's that's what I was asking there was uh, getting rid of that space for actually holding on to things and, you know, doing their own fulfillment and actually just letting you guys do it. Yeah. Yeah, I do think it's the future of the business. So Nice. Yeah, it's funny. How could we escape it when we're seeing it everywhere else, right? Mm -hmm. Um. And now let's talk a little bit about what's remained the same, right? So obviously things aren't changing uh, in every single way. What what were you surprised and happy to see that's actually remained the same in our channel? And Greg, maybe I'll get you to start at this time. Yeah, you know, the um, well, there's not a lot the same. <laughs> it's just so different. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing, it's, Greg. <laughs> it's really difficult to, to categorize that. You know, um, the one thing I've really loved about this channel is the people, you know, and, and I've just seen a lot of good compassion of people, um, you know, being much more understanding about business, much more understanding about delays. Um, and, and, you know, the people remain constant in our space. Um, uh, but, you know, in, in, in generalities of the business, nothing's the same as it was. It hasn't, it hasn't returned to, to 2019 yet. And uh, I don't know if it ever will. And, right. uh, and so, uh, you know, I'd say it's, it's the people that have kind of remained the same. I love what you say there, uh, because, you know, in my world, I'm not sure if it happens to you guys, but when, you know, you're at a cocktail party and somebody asks you what you do for a living and I start talking about being in the office equipment channel, First, they don't know what that is. And then secondly, when I start talking about printer and copier supplies, you kind of move on to your hobbies in a hurry, right? <laughs> and, uh, but <laughs> For sure. But the, the, one, the two things actually that I always tell people are one is uh, the people keep you in this channel, right? Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. I moved in from the high tech space doing uh, data centers and internet connectivity into the managed print world as what I thought was going to be a temporary move, but because of the people, I've never left. And I won't. Yeah. So how about you, Jim? Do you, do you reflect on that? The same kind of answer that nothing's the same or do you see different things? What's what, what do you think is going to going to be the same or not? Yeah, no, I mean, Greg nailed it. I mean, I, you know, it's hard to say that, you know, there's anything that is the same. I, I think the one thing that you could say is that the one thing about the dealer channel that is the same <laughs> is that they're ready for change. They've always been ready for change. And so the good dealers are flourishing because of the change, right? There's going to be dealers that are just not going to make it. And I hate to say that, but um, because they're not willing to change, but the dealers that are willing to change and actually, you know, see what's happening. Uh, as an example, a lot of dealers are getting into IT services. That's, that's brilliant. They need to be, right? Some dealers that are in the equipment space are selling office supplies. They're not just selling, you know, they're, they're setting up actually websites to order online. They're, they're being proactive to this change. 
I would say that is what's the same, is that the good guys are going through the changes that are necessary to survive. And I applaud them for that because if I was still a dealer, that's what I would be doing. In, in addition to adding product lines, because one thing these dealers have done so well, and every one of them that is successful in this space, they've built amazing relationships with their customers. They yes. own that customer. And so adding new services and new products is genius for these, these folks because they trust their salespeople. They trust the company that they've had for 10, 15, 20 years. And now it's just, let's add some new lines and go into a different category, but you know, get that revenue generation from the customer. So I know it sounds crazy, but that's what has really stayed the same is, is, is that. I don't think it sounds crazy at all because, you know, we kind of, we joke about it, but obviously it's, it's reality. A lot of uh, folks in our channel started with typewriters and then with, uh, you know, the bigger A3 equipment and it took them a while to get into A4. And then obviously with fax and uh, document management, like it, it has been in an evolving channel from the get-go. Right. Yeah. And, and I, and I think, you know, that as Greg mentioned, um, because the people, uh, you know, the, the camaraderie and the way that uh, we've always worked together, um, that does extend to our customers, Jim, as you mentioned, right? So what a great place uh, to start selling <laughs> yeah. those additional things, right? Yeah, and I've seen it. I've got uh, two friends who have office equipment dealerships, um, and uh, both of them started managed uh, IT practices long before it was fashionable. And uh, they saw their revenues rise so much through the pandemic on that side of the business that it made up for any losses that they were having on the, you know, on the toner side. Right. So yeah, yeah that's great. And it's kind of a good segue, actually, we were talking about there. If we were looking at the future, you know, maybe if we looked at just a couple of things or three things that dealers should be looking at for growth in the world after the pandemic. And Jim, you started with, you know, managed IT, Greg, maybe you can, you know, add to that or color it. What do you think? Sure. Um, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what comes out of all of this. Well, I mean, really, it'll be really interesting to see what happens to the channel. Um, I do think that e-commerce as a portion of the, the dealers that are in the A3 space, especially, will continue to grow. Uh, I don't think it's been a big priority for them in the past. And I think Jim has focused on some of that. We focused on that, trying to enable uh, those tools for them to allow them to play in that space. Um, the categories that Jim mentioned, you know, it expanding into new categories is, is uh, a, a great way and a viable way for them to, to grow their business. For us, it's, um, you know, we're kind of, uh, we're, well, we're not kind of, we are in the thermal space now with people like Zebra and barcoding, right? Barcode <laughs> printers, I think that that category is going to continue to explode as e-commerce explodes and, you know, things like, um, you know, the, the business that we have, Barcode Select, you know, adding that into your MPS practice um, uh, will allow dealers to, to gather uh, a bigger share of wallet with their customers. And, and um, I think, you know, if they continue to do the managed IT services, the barcoding supplies and hardware, uh, it will help them uh, continue to be viable. Yeah, barcodes and packing slips, two things I'd never, uh, you know, thought I'd be uh, intimate with uh, until my wife bought a store, right? And right. as you're saying, um, in a small town especially, believe me, retailers were not looking at e-commerce solutions. But uh, being married to me, as soon as the pandemic hit, 
I guess what we started right away, right, was to build that kind of a solution. So, yeah, it's just interesting you say that because that's the first time I've ever personally used a thermal, you know, printer, both for barcodes and uh, for some of the packing slips, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, right. really, really neat space. And to think that when we talk about putting marks on paper, that it's not always ink, right? That these barcode solutions for people be really interested to watch those numbers as they grow. And, you know, so what else? So we've talked a little bit about um, this idea of growth through managed IT, obviously some uh, different ways to print if it's, uh, you know, if it's uh, thermal printing or, or barcodes, et cetera. What, what other things should a dealer be looking at for growth in the post-pandemic world? I mean, and from Greg, my perspective- Or sorry, Jim. Um, yeah, no, it's, that's okay. I, I think from my perspective, again, you know, it's really simple for a equipment dealer to get into the office product space. And I know that- Oh, you sure. Know, there's decline, but that is to me a no brainer. Uh, you know, the tools that somebody like an Ascendant or an SP Richards provides their, their dealers, I mean, they basically do all the back end. And so, I, I, you know, if I were an equipment dealer, I would absolutely be considering going after some of that, you know, low hanging fruit because it's a, it's a loyalty thing. Customers are going to buy from, you know, somebody that, that they're, they're loyal to. And, they get the loyalty from the equipment side, no doubt. I've always found that interesting um, on the office product side that they're separate. And when I first joined the space, I didn't understand how they could be, right? So I said, wait a minute, like, so, so as an office equipment dealer, you sell uh, toner and devices, yes. But the paper piece, what about that? Oh, no, 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 that's the office product, guys. So it's kind of like- It's these, crazy. It, it is. It's literally crazy. It, 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 it makes no sense. And I guess for me, you know, 20 some years ago when I had superior office products, you know, we did both. We were an equipment dealer and an office supply dealer and, you know, it, it worked and it was a very profitable, we were only 20 million, but it was a profitable uh, business and the office supplies, because it was kind of an everyday thing, got us the equipment business, you right. know? And, and so I just, again, it shocks me that there's not more office equipment dealers in the office supply space. Yeah, and I wonder, and Greg, maybe you can add to this, but does that also conversely go the other way? Are there gonna be more um, office product dealers now coming into kind of the office equipment channel? Do you think that's gonna be a thing? I, uh, you know, I evolved into this channel. I came from the office products channel and oh. um, I, don't think that's going to happen. I don't know if Jim disagrees with that, but no, but, I agree um, with you. It's that that is a hard one. Yeah, the the office products salesperson is a generalist, right? I mean, they they represent furniture, they represent toner, they represent pens and pencils, uh, maybe some Jansan, right? And and their job is to gather all that information and and put an expert on it, right? For them to evolve into the technical side of the business, service, you know, the things that we do is very difficult. And I, I, I just absolutely don't see them doing that at all. Yeah, I, I, and I think I would agree with you as well. And, you know, uh, one of the channels that I've been really uh, splashing into in the last year and a half is in the managed IT and the MSP side of the world, right? Yeah. And as they've seen us, Jim, as you mentioned, uh, you know, off squidman dealers starting to get into providing managed IT, um, that the other channel, the managed IT channel has completely blown us off. And, and I have said to them very 
be very cautious about what you're saying because the one thing that the office equipment channel has that you do not is an incredibly adept and technically uh, focused sales force so mm -hmm. when they want to get good at this trust me they're going to get into the space right yeah, I agree. The point of the interview now, which is just basically, you know, for, for a lot of the dealers that are that are watching or listening in, what's one piece of advice? If you could only give one piece of advice for the channel as it evolves, what would that be? And uh, Jim, maybe I'll let you start. So I think right now, um, the best advice that I would give any dealer right now is to be lean and mean. Um, you have to weather, you know, what I think is going to be a pretty uh, aggressive storm. And so really paying close attention to your inventory levels, tightening up, you know, on your receivables, uh, extending, and I hate to say this because it's screwing myself, but extending your payables, um, you know, really simple, you know, basic blocking and tackling, but your cap expenditures has to drop. And so you do have to lean out your organization. Um, and if you don't, you just you won't survive it because you know there's going to be pe people are going to wake up and when i say people um the cfos uh, and ceos that are running businesses are going to wake up and they're going to say hey um we spend how much on print and, and we didn't even have people in the office uh-uh or our contract says what you know that that is going to happen and so you have to be prepared for that the days of extending the contract out five, six, seven months are over, you know, just to, you know, continue to make, you know, the cash. So I do think that streamlining your business is going to be extremely important. And I love it. You say they're fundamentals, but now more than ever, really pay attention to those fundamentals, right? Yeah. And, and Greg, I am leaving you with the last word today. So what would you like to offer up as your one piece of advice? Well. I just have to stop you on that because there's one thing you didn't ask us about, and I would like you to do that about <laughs> okay. uh, what is the one thing, uh, you know, you, that nobody knows about us. Oh, that's so true. You didn't ask that question. <laughs> I think it's, it's very viable to ask that question, but I will answer the question that you have. And uh, uh, I, I think it's uh, more than ever is to be flexible. You know, it's every day here, and every week here, it's different. I mean, the world changes. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm old, you know. I mean, I I I like to uh, come in the office. I like to print things so I can I can hold them in my hand and read them. Right. I mean, that's the way I'm wired. See, and 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 the next generation's not that way. And, and from a culture standpoint, from a business standpoint, they're not going to want to come in the office. That's really hard for me, <laughs> you know, to accept. It really is. And, I mean, we used to, like, tell people, you got to be here at 8, and if you're not here at 8, we're going to dock you, right? I mean, that's the way life was. You punched a card. And, uh, and you just have to be flexible in your thinking um, and uh, allow – uh, the world to come into your thinking because uh, if we don't, we're going to put ourselves out of business and uh, we, ha we have to change, you know, and I think that's the biggest advice I can give anybody. I love it. And 
being flexible and change is one of those things that even through my brief time in this industry, like I said, 16 or 17 years, I've seen so much of it and uh, we're still capable of it. So great advice. Uh, one's personal, one's about, about Jim, Jim and I. Um, we both uh, worked at U.S. Office Products together. And um, Jim was in a region, I was at corporate, and uh, we got to know each other that way. And we both left about the same time, uh, Jim, to start Clover. And I was trying to start my own business kind of at the time and a uh, marketing business that was kind of focused on this and the Office Products channel. And, and so uh, Jim, buying a new business, needing marketing materials, um, you know, he knew this about me. So... I was actually Jim's marketing department at the very beginning of Clover and uh, wow. developed their first logos. And, uh, and so that's, uh, you know, the very uh, calmest thing I can talk about Jim and I's relationship that people don't know. Um, the <laughs> well, he actually, he, Greg actually came up with cartridge CTG. Yeah. For Clover. Yeah. So, wow. uh, that was <laughs> that's a long pretty time cool. Ago. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and then from a personal standpoint, I will tell you, uh, this, nobody knows this about, well, not many people know, but my great, 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 great grandfather was a pallbearer in George Washington's funeral. So there you go. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty amazing. Yeah. His name was Conrad and that's my grandson's name. So. Well, that's unbelievable. And what an honor to name uh, your like the grandson after that. Wow. Yeah. Those are two really great shares. And how about you, Jim? That's going to be so hard to, to top. I can't, I can't beat that. I, I will say this, that people don't, something that people don't know about me that I am extremely passionate about. And a lot of people think it's fishing, but I am passionate about fishing, but um, I'm one of those blockchain geeks. So I love, I love the blockchain. I've been involved in the blockchain since 2013. I was a major investor in investing in Bitcoin. I started mining Bitcoin in 2015. And I'm actually one of the owners of one of the 13th largest mining Bitcoin mining facilities in the world. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, people think I'm crazy. I had friends of mine early on say that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. And now all those friends and family members of mine are investors in our company that has about a $600 million market cap. Oh my God. <laughs> it's That's one of those of uh, ifs and buts were dollars and cents, we'd all be millionaires, right? And that's one of the ones that I had seen and never acted upon. So that's amazing. I may be reaching out to you for some advice. Thanks in advance. <laughs> <laughs> so buy Bitcoin. Actually, yeah. <laughs> don't buy it, mine it. For everyone that's tuned in today, I want to thank you very much for joining us. And for Jim and Greg, can't thank you guys enough. Uh, to have one of you on this interview would have been exceptional for me. To have you both together has been a true blessing indeed. So thank you very much. For everybody that's watching and listening, please make sure to tune into some other exciting learning content at tigerpod.com. And so we come to the end of another exciting episode of Tiger Paw Radio. If you'd like to listen to more great learning content to help you grow your business, please be sure to visit www.tigerpaw.com and click on the Resources tab. You can also subscribe to your favorite podcast platforms to be sure you never miss another episode. And until next time, keep learning, keep growing, and keep that inner tiger strong.